What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm Mark Francis in the host seat today. Once again, um, we have Miss Abby Lineberg. I always, I want to, you know, the pronunciation of people's last names mm-hmm. catches me. Alicia just <laughs> because Alicia gives you a hard time, and and it made me pause and just for a second. She's so, not here, Mark. You can say whatever you want about her, but I can say, but I can't say anything I want about Abby. So, right. um, <laughs> so share with me. Give us the pronunciation properly. It is Lineberg. See, yes. I got it right. Yeah. Love it. Spot on. You're you know? perfect. <laughs> perfect. Jeremy can come beat me down for <laughs> right. his, his last name pronunciation. So, yes, how are you today? Good. How are you? Thank you for being here. We're so excited. And you've heard him laugh. Um, you've heard him not cry yet, but he will soon. Um, Caleb <laughs> Give Pearson. Give it how time. How are you? Good, Mark. How are you doing, my friend? Awesome. Well, let's just dive right in. Um, but I have my own version of diving right in right now. Okay. okay. And, you know, there's some shows and there's some podcasts out there that like to do kind of a, um, a fact check. You know, okay. it's like, you know, where did we... And that's part of what Sermon Spotlight can do is, mm-hmm. is fact check. Mm-hmm. And one of the more egregious fact checks um, that I wanted to call out was um, Mission Impossible. <laughs> and the Mission Impossible <laughs> analogies that you were making. Uh-huh. Have you have you gotten any calls Egregious. about Mission Impossible uh-uh. from your sermons? Let's hear it. Love it. This is going to be good. Okay, yeah. let's okay, go. Okay, so you gave some implications mm-hmm. that um, the impos- impossible mission force, the uh-huh. IMF uh, team, was awesome. labeled IMF because it came straight from the 90s. Mm-hmm. Are you aware that Tom Cruise did not initiate the Mission Impossible genre? That the Mission Impossible existed before Tom Cruise? Uh, no. So, yeah, that's where you lost your audience. Um, <laughs> it's where I lost you. It's where you've lost a lot of us, I think. <laughs> yes. So if you research... The reference to the 90s was, was the cheesiness of it. Well, but, you know, again... so Not the, the origin mov- of it. The, the movie mm-hmm. series if you want to call it a series. Which are good movies, by the way. In the 90s mm-hmm. with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. But the origination of the concept of Mission Impossible... Was it a book or something? No. Keep trying. It was a movie. It was a TV show. It was a TV series was it really? from the 60s. I'm fact-checking you right from now. From 1966 <laughs> from the, to 73. <laughs> what are you, 80 years old, Mark? No, I'm not. But you know what? I watched good television. And that was You're right. That was from... Based on the 1966 TV series by Bruce Geller. Yes. Good and, job, and Mark. Peter Graves was a star. He what, is an what, older what silver-haired dude. And there's actually a reboot of that seven-year series in the 80s. ABC came out with it for two years. Interesting. 88 89. So... The impossible mission force, that IMF team, mm-hmm. the label of it did not come from the 90s. Interesting. Okay. I'm glad Thank you. we're Thank you for rebuking me in that. That's great. <laughs> yes. Good so we have to go for all things spiritual Abby's first. like, I don't care about any of this. <laughs> <laughs> all things spiritual, otherwise known as Ethan Hawke uh, and Mission Impossible. So, I, and, and so I am doubling down mm-hmm. because we had conversations about this this morning with our worship planning team. Okay. And the great Rose Locke said that, yeah, you might have lost half of the audience. When I said be- that? Because of that. I'll talk to Rose. Okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's just, funny. Now that we can. Well, hopefully I got him back at some point. Figure better. But I love the reference. Okay. I, let's circle back. Mm-hmm. I love the reference of mm-hmm. how, yes, there's a team involved. So, Abby, I'll come to you. Yeah. And let's go to all things spiritual now and get us back on <laughs> sure, track. Sure. Yeah. Well, I guess kind of spiritually related. You definitely seemed your most comfortable. 
<laughs> yeah, in the pulpit. <laughs> yeah, but to be fair, I was at the 1045 and I feel like normally 1045, everybody's feeling pretty good. Everybody's comfortable? Yeah. They're more awake. Right, yeah. Well, well, that helps in this sermon anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, but we had the collective and then the communion, which tied really nicely into actually celebrating communion this past Sunday. I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was always the plan to do communion at the end. So Correct. Um, I wasn't originally scheduled to preach. It was a, a, earlier in the summer. Mark asked me if I could take it. I happily did. But we, you know, Rose said, do you want to move it? Do you want to move it to the front? We can move communion to the front if you want to. And I said, no, it, you know, it's a great application. I'd love to, I'd love to preach in such a way as to lead into that um, and use it as the immediate application instead of referring to what we just did as if it was a normal service, but building up to it. The passage does that, so but it was very most easy. people who attend our church understand that the first weekend of the month is mm-hmm. communion, right? So they were prepared and thinking, "Oh, we haven't had it yet." Mm-hmm. And then when you're leading us down the path of just unpacking the word here mm-hmm. and seeing, "Oh, that's what they they were probably doing," and mm-hmm. Paul's breaking bread and doing that, they're mm-hmm. they're obviously remembering, rehearsing something, right? And the text doesn't get into too much detail about it, but mm-hmm. it really set it up. Mm-hmm. It really set up um, to respond with communion to respond with power of the cross and i I love how that weaves all together to where we can fully celebrate and rehearse the gospel in a way that is similar to what they did in that early church age yeah i love it well it says it clear as day when luke is saying when we were gathered to break bread together here's everything that happened including Mm -hmm. the teaching and all the other stuff so it almost flips it on its head of what you might expect where we gather for the teaching and there's always this little communion thing we do like I, I wanted to graduate from that idea and think, man, the the early church they gathered so they could commune together, and and it's from that that so many other things came. And same with with Jesus' story there in Matthew. So yeah, it was fun to teach through and point towards. Yeah, and so from the just the basic unpacking of the passage, mm-hmm. yes, you kind of started us down the path of it was a late night going mm-hmm. beyond expecting, you know. I want to go to sleep, to then this miracle that occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, it made me realize this is one of the fewer kind of like lesser known raising from the dead right. instances that are in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, not many people are to instantly go to this. They'll think of Lazarus. They'll think mm-hmm. of uh, obviously Jesus being raised mm-hmm. from the dead. Um, I did some of my own research, and there's a couple of times in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. Elijah, Elisha as well. Right. There's even right. a time that we studied earlier here in the book of Acts. But this is kind of a, a unique one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe you can almost say it's the, the final one in Scripture of sure. miracles that are happening. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask you, Caleb and Abby, I want to get your take too. Um, when you're unpacking a passage like this that is an amazing miracle mm-hmm. with not a lot of surrounding text right um how how do you what do you find about god when you're looking at that small little story that is an amazing miracle right yeah and you i mean first off you have to understand okay luke is he's so quick as he recounts this and i'm glad you brought the elijah elisha thing is is physically this mirrors that encounter in the old testament a lot that's something i didn't dive into about how Hmm. god's been in the business of doing this sort of thing for a while obviously his own son for crying out loud come back to life but but the bending over of the boy and the saying his life is in him and bringing him back in that way Mm -hmm. it it does mirror a lot of the encounters that some of those encounters that happen in the old testament so that's powerful 
But it, it's such a small passage. Luke details it so quickly. That's the only reason it's small. And so you have to put yourself in the shoes of all the people listening and how they'd be so much more likely to embrace everything they're being taught if that happened in the middle of it. Hmm. And so it's not this, – this was not a miracle for – uh, the, the the streets and the masses and crowds of people all of a sudden. It's not a feeding the 5,000 situation. This is an intimate crisis mode for people who want to know more about the Lord. So there's an encouragement there in that miracle, but it's baptized literally between Paul's teaching. He's mm-hmm. teaching crisis moment. It, that would be a wash. Guess what? If that was youth ministry, we'd cancel early. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? That is a, everyone right. go home safe to your families. Yeah. We're so sorry, right? Yeah. But this is a, okay, he has faith in God to know this kid's coming back to life. He was right. He did. And then they all go back up. And it, it's not this secondhand thought, wow, why in the world would we go back up there to teach? They're ready to go back up. They just saw God do that. Mm. You have our ears. And you see the, that last word of the kind of the text that you were studying, mm-hmm. they were greatly comforted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this component of just the, the comfort and peace that you can have, and, mm-hmm. and that's a loving God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can see in his character of, yes, using this instance to maybe get people's attention back to mm-hmm. what Paul was sharing. Who knows why it happened, but you can see God's sovereign hand in this and see that, yes, he is a comforting God because, yes, he cares for people. And yeah. He didn't have to raise a kid from the dead. He didn't have to bring him back to life. Right. Um, but there is something about what this story is bringing out to us today mm-hmm. to see there's comfort that God brings. And all that was enabled, again, because Paul didn't set sail for Syria. Like, mm-hmm. I just love the fact that they mm-hmm. were scheming to get him, and he knew, and the Lord allowed him to go elsewhere. And then we get this encounter, which is scary, or, or, or seems like things are going wrong. And so many people, Mark, will preach this passage and they'll they'll stay in the the yeah. funny of it they'll, mm-hmm. they'll stay in the um don't fall asleep in church like a lot of people will teach this passage and say that's the point don't <laughs> fall asleep in church make sure you stay alert uh, a lot of people say make sure you're you're teaching in an interesting way so people don't fall asleep like we don't get to the point where luke gets to which is verse 12 they took the <laughs> the the young boy away alive and were greatly mm-hmm. comforted mm-hmm. I'm so glad he said that after he described that they went back up to listen to Paul. Luke could have written, we brought him back to life, they were greatly comforted, and then Paul took him back up to talk some more. If the passage ended there, I'd be worried. I'd be like, mm-hmm. come on, Paul, they were greatly comforted when you raised them back to life, learn when to quit, stop teaching, and let them go home. But that's not what happened. Mm-hmm. Now that he's back, they're like, okay, back up we go. We need to break bread together. That is why we came together in the first place. Hmm. And they willingly went up with him, again, because of the relationship they had with Paul, but they all seemed to value communion. There was probably a consensus of, well, well yeah, why would we leave? We didn't, get to, we didn't get to commune yet. So it's all, the Lord is using it all. And if we can understand that, it almost humbles our church service a little bit. Whatever, whatever's going to happen. I mean, I, you want to know some of the things I prayed before I preached? Lord, help there not be, and I pray this every week, help there not be a medical emergency. Because that throws you off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some some little jokes and things in here you can preach and teach through, but Lord willing, it didn't happen. But if there was a medical emergency here at FBC while I was making jokes about this, I'd have to change my tone a little bit. Mm-hmm. Things can happen, and then all of a sudden, you have to ask yourself, is God still in control or isn't he? And luckily, Tim did a good job laying the foundation of that. God is sovereign. This is, this is a carryover of that truth. Well, and you touched on this too. Um, 
like when you were telling your story about you and your dad in communion, but like, isn't it, isn't it so nice that like, no matter what, we can't get in God's way. Like, right. it doesn't yeah. matter. Like it's yeah. his plan. You and I know what it's like work. to grow up in this church and it's not, not the church's fault, but you, I remember being nervous about communion. I'm oh, like, I'm like, my mom, yeah, yeah, on some white mom said, don't before. go spilling, don't go spilling. <laughs> be careful, be careful. New carpet's coming fairly soon. Yeah, so right? definitely be yeah. careful, guys. Yeah, seriously. Um, but it is probably one of the, the more unique communion services of all time. Uh, right. The, the fact that, again, it goes until daybreak. And so <laughs> yeah. this this midnight moment that's breaking this progression, um, people were fascinated. And something mm -hmm. that you kind of touched on, but mm -hmm. it's almost Paul saying, I'm leaving. And I'm gone. Not knowing if and when I'll be coming mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of things that he wanted to unpack, that he wanted to unpack. Mm -hmm. Luke doesn't share what it was, but you right. gave some implications of mm -hmm. what you thought mm -hmm. he would be and should be talking about. Mm -hmm. Is that cutting room floor stuff? Is there any more that you would like to elaborate on just the, the context, context of what Paul would be sharing with this crowd, mixed Jews and Gentiles, early church age? What, what really is he sharing in a all-nighter communion service. Right. Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't know the specifics. Um, what we what we could do is is study First and Second Thessalonians and say, okay, based on that time period and those people, two of which were, were here. I tried to paint that picture. It's so cool that Luke lists a First and Second Thessalonian that were along for this ride, and then we get two whole letters written to that mm -hmm. church. So, what was Paul urging them to do as he wrote that letter? What has what has Paul been saying to everyone over and over and over up to this point? We, we've the whole point of the sermon series, the triumph of the gospel, and then addressing this Jews and Gentile situation, it's changing everything. And so as you gather in this way, with a, a procedure of sorts, this commune together, the breaking of bread and, and do, modeling what Jesus did, he's having to clarify why they're still doing that and and why they are now united. And we, we see that theme over and over, not throughout Acts, but through the New Testament epistles as well. I had a guy come up to me after second service, and he just said, one of the reasons I didn't anticipate appreciating this sermon series was I'm I'm falling in love with the epistles way more now that I know what he went through. Mm, mm -hmm. So we're not just learning Acts, we're learning all the things that these people went through before or during the receiving of these letters. That's exciting for us. That 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 takes the black and white text of the epistles into vivid color, I'd say, because now we're going, oh, that's right. These guys... Some of these, some of these Thessalonians saw a kid fall out the window. Like you know, you, you start <laughs> right. to see right. why it's all coming together, and then maybe why they'd have so many questions, uh, and why they need correction or this, this, that, and the other. And so, because Paul doesn't ever want to demonstrate a, a reliance on him, he wants to plant church leaders. He wants, I, I miss you, I love you, I can't wait to get back to you, but I need to equip you to be okay with me when I'm gone, whether he's dead, whether he's missing, whether he's in prison or on a boat. He wants to make sure they are tried and true, wise in the Jesus of the scriptures, so that they hopefully don't keep needing somebody to come in and correct them, you know, at every turn. And so I think that's modeled here. Yeah. And especially knowing that they're breaking bread and recognizing right. what Jesus did mm -hmm. in, in his quote unquote last supper. Mm -hmm. And you, you read that passage um, of explaining what this new covenant looks like, mm -hmm. what does this bread and body um, reflect, and what mm -hmm. does the blood, the cup, represent, and, yeah. and how, what does that mean to us today? Mm -hmm. and, and so what Paul is probably imparting to them mm -hmm. still applies to us today. Oh, for sure. And the remembrance of the cross, mm -hmm. and the remembrance of what 
Christ did for us and how we can rely and trust in him um, for anything. That yes, he is alive, mm -hmm. he paid our sacrifice, but then beyond that, how do we walk um, and rest in his spirit and how do we how do we celebrate that? Celebrate live that like we and live live it out. Mm -hmm. I, I really that that's kind of my take as well. That I think that that would be Paul's encouragement is mm -hmm. if I'm leaving you, mm -hmm. um, how are we to live? So mm -hmm. now what? So right. if Jesus is Son of God, mm -hmm. yes, He's the Messiah. Yes, He's alive. So now what? What does it mean? What yep. does it mean? And how do we live that out? And I gotta know that like that what he's what Paul would have been telling those people mm -hmm. in that room mm -hmm. applies to us today. And, that's, he, he'd and that be was part of your encouragement to he, us He'd too. be telling them, keep the main thing, the main thing. And you got to assume after the Eutychus thing happens and they go back up, he's saying, that's the kind Look of God that. we have, right? Look at like, that. Like it, it, yeah. it goes from crisis to comfort in that way. It's it's the comfort of God's hand. He reveals himself in that way. And so they're going, huh, okay. Like and that, that that's the guy we're talking about. that raised Christ from mm -hmm. the dead dwells in us. And, right. and there's there's that there's a picture of that right there mm -hmm. that and it, can... it demonstrates and I, I tried to bring this out at the end but the church of Christ is going to be diverse broken and totally dependent on a sovereign God I love that that Paul Paul's voice sent a kid out the window I don't know about perfect teacher you kidding me I mean Paul was a dude he was him, a man put him to sleep right right put him to sleep right <laughs> and so th th there was a kid. In the window, probably shouldn't have been sitting there, right? It's so easy to point blame, but that's not the point of the passage. The point of the passage is showing us, man, we are, we are from all different backgrounds, all different people. We struggle with brokenness, but we're totally dependent on a sovereign God. When Paul went down there, bent over, Eutychus, selfishly probably hoping, please, please bring him back to life because it's going to stink if you don't. We have a sovereign God who's able able to do that, mm -hmm. and so because of the communion, we know they were having, and and he. Luke wanted us to know he was leaving the next day. Why put that in there? Because that motivated him to keep on going. If if I'm gone tomorrow, it's going to be tonight for a while. And the cool part about the the Jesus communion is, and I didn't unpack this, didn't feel like I had time. Uh, it says while they were eating, Jesus went and did this. So that it was totally brand new. You could role play that out and be like. What is Jesus doing over there with his bread? Like they're they're, they're halfway through a meal, mm -hmm. right? It's a foreign concept, and now Jesus is doing this thing, and it institutes right in the middle of fellowship, right in the middle of life on life eating. Then that's where communion came from, and now we we start it with that in mind that that we're purposefully doing this the way Jesus sees the opportunity to do it with his disciples. But man, what it, what it would be like to be in their shoes, to just be eating and chilling as the disciples, and then be like. Uh, Jesus, you, you ever sit at a table of 12 people at a restaurant? You don't know exactly what's going on until somebody speaks up. You're kind of looking down the, looking down the way. What is Jesus doing? He's holding up his bread. And then he starts <laughs> talking and does this thing. Boom. And there we have it. Symbolizes what he did. And it's something the church goes back to each and every time. But that was one of the goals was like, okay, communion ought to mean more to us mm. as this is over than when, when we first came. And so hopefully, you know, people were able to, to appreciate that and, and see the power of the word and then really, really actually meditate. I know what it's like to attend church and sit there in 20 seconds of silence, thinking about football, thinking about your birthday party, thinking about the chores your mom's making you do, instead of thinking about, he died for me. He, he did this for me and I can live in light of that. It, it changes the way you view church, I think. Yeah, and um, I liked how you said the message matters more than the miracle. I feel like that um, 
really sums it up really well. But I have to say, I was like definitely thinking, I wish we knew more about Eutychus. Like, I'm kind of like, mm-hmm. how did this work? Like, how how did he not have broken bones? And if he did, if he did come back to life, uh-huh. does he still have broken bones? Like, yeah. you know right, the, tw- I mean? the 20, like, 30 questions you can come up with. Yeah. And, and you're like, Luke, you're a physician, bro. Right. I, I studied science on biology in college. I'm like, give me the details, brother. Like, yeah. diagnose the situation. Uh-uh. It's a passage about teaching. Oh, and by the way, a kid died and came back to life in the middle of it. That message out to me too. Yeah. So unpack that a little bit more because I agree the message matters more than the miracles. However, there are plenty Christian circles today mm-hmm. where they feel that the miracles outweigh the message or it's mm-hmm. the miracles mm-hmm. that we are striving to achieve mm-hmm. and to see yeah. and, and, and in order to... To prove. prove and to show the signs of the Holy Spirit, and we yeah. we're we're seeing this Book of Acts. We've said it many times as a transitional book, mm-hmm. and and we're seeing miracles take place, and yet um, we're not seeing the same things today. Mm-hmm. And you didn't really unpack that anymore sure. um, in your sermon. But what does that mean that the message is more than the miracles? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a misnomer out there that that miracles are happening all the time or that in Bible times they happened all the time, and they really didn't. Uh, you look at the span of history over all the canonicity of Scripture and the, the rate at which, at which it was written and the rate at which miracles actually happened, they were few and far between and meant something in the moment. Mm-hmm. The, the, it's a powerful demonstration of who God is. We know, based on Scripture, miracles performed by men, like Paul's hand, would soon stop. We're getting there. As we get to the end of Acts, we're going to have to, to justify and explain the, the the difference between the church in Acts and the church today, and, and what the canonicity, the, the, the completion of the Bible means for us. But uh, miracles themselves were also never meant to sustain faith. It's very easy to live that way. But but if a miracle is happening in front of you, you're not walking by faith at all. You're walking by sight. Bam, there it is. Miracles are meant to get somebody to go from holy smokes to, to holy spirit. Mm. It's it's to see it, right? But that if that is something we're craving, if, if that is something that we're relying on or even expecting, wh- where is the actual faith? How, how, how can we understand that a, Luke, Luke made that point, the message matters more than the miracle. He talks about the message and Paul going on and on talking way more than he details the miracle of Eutychus. That's true of his whole book. He, he, why is he skipping over the good stuff, the awesome stuff mm. that any director, any writer would want to spread out and, and elaborate on and, and, and exaggerate? Luke's like, that happened. But here's the here's the triumph of the gospel message in people's eyes, and so how can we understand that? Yes, the, it, it's not to say miracles don't matter. That would be a that's a logical fallacy. All I said was the message matters more right. than the miracle, and the miracles matter a ton. So how much more then should the message mean to and us? It's and how also can... that miracles still exist today. Yes, mm-hmm. maybe not in the same format and the same right. tone. Being of... performed by man. Right. Right. It's it's not to say we have a miracleless God. It's not to say they don't exist and they don't happen. And it's still God doing the work. Oh, yeah. And, and that, again, that's the misnomer. Again, when you research, okay, the, over the course of Scripture, mm-hmm. when how did people get raised from the dead? Mm-hmm. And and even in, the, even in these websites that are good, solid biblical websites, it's like Elijah raised this person from the dead. Mm-hmm. Peter raised Dorcas. Paul mm-hmm. raised Eutychus. I mean, mm-hmm. no, no, no. This is God. Yeah. This is God doing the work. And the, right. the people are just the tools and instruments that God is using. But again, the misnomer of the book of Acts of the Apostles. 
We talk about that all the time. It's the acts of God. Mm -hmm. And so it's God doing the work, um, the Holy Spirit using his people to just display his power and display his glory. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it makes me wonder, like, what was going on there at midnight with um, with the audience to where they need to get woken up? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I had this, you mind if I interrupt? Yeah. I, I had this jotted down a while ago. Yeah. Um, the Old Testament spans about 4,000 years. In that 4,000 years, God performed miracles in about 130 of them. In those 130 years, comprising of four, 47,450 days, the vast, vast majority of those days came and went without any miracles. Mm. Even in the biblical era, miracles were very uncommon. They happened, yes, but the notion that the charismatic movement has today that miracles should be happening mm. on a regular basis, that it has zero mm. biblical support. There is zero evidence for yeah. that. When we teach scripture and elevate these exciting moments and then pivot to an application that wasn't Luke's and an application that says you can summon this in your life or the unimaginable can happen if you believe enough or whatever you want to mm -hmm. stir people up for, the message matters more than the miracle. What are you going to do if you never get a miracle? That's true for most of us. And then... It's like, oh, well, your faith just isn't enough. You know, you're not believing enough. You're not believing enough. enough. You're, you're it's on it, you. On you, on mm -hmm. us, on Amen. the human yep. uh, component, which is just a fallacy. Which, which would mean, to, to take that route means God's church is meant to be perfect, uh, similar in every way, and totally dependent on ourselves to make it happen. That's not, that's not even the point of the passage, let alone any other passage you speak of. The, God's church is going to be diverse, broken, and dependent on a sovereign God. Whatever he's going to do, he's going to do it. And it's so sad, again, when you are in a, a mindset that is like that, mm -hmm. and when the miracles don't take place... Then you're there, shattered. There's mm -hmm. a shattering. There's mm -hmm. either just a lack of... Uh, trusting God, because like God, why didn't you do this? I I was believing enough. Mm -hmm. I I was praying, praying enough. Yeah. Like, all these things, and I've seen it happen. And oh yeah, it, and and people walk away. It's easy to faith. believe. It's an easy mm -hmm. yes, easy it, seed to plant. And it, that's where the the fun part of preaching through Acts is praying through. Okay, Lord, like what's the application? Because it's it. This is descriptive. It's not prescriptive. We'll keep ringing that bell. So first, we can do not consider any gathering of believers a coincidence or time wasted. We don't have an accidental God that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. He is orchestrating his people. He can stir in them for his glory. And then we should be building relationships. The whole context of this event and the teaching was fruitful based on the journey so far, mm -hmm. based on Paul and these other church representatives getting on board with somebody who has assassination plots against him or whatever you can imagine from the Jews. Like, it's, it's not like these guys were just like stumbling along the road. They're like, sure, we'll follow Paul. They knew the consequences and they were probably confused about some of them. They went anyway. Mm. And there's a relationship being built, ultimately, you know, founded on Jesus. And so we should be building relationships as we go too. I, I, I don't want a, a congregation on a Sunday morning to be like, sweet, like great sermon or Acts is awesome. And I learned, I learned something new out of Acts. It's great. But, but what about the people you're sitting near? Mm -hmm. uh, what, are, what are they doing? What if the encouragement you've been looking for for the last eight months is happening in the person's life that sits behind you in this building on Sunday mornings? And we don't know. Sometimes it's someone else's story that's the encouragement we need. We often just wait for our own story. To unfold. 
We have a, a bit way bigger gut. It's a great segue that mm -hmm. you're making there because as we continue to pursue um, this book of Acts and go down these next couple chapters, and as we mm -hmm. move into the the fall season, September, there's going to be a heavy emphasis on story, mm -hmm. heavy emphasis on um, the faithfulness of God and His mm -hmm. sovereignty in our lives, sovereignty throughout. Um, his church throughout all time, and, and we're gonna get it's gonna be cool. I'm not gonna reveal it all right now yet, but there's gonna be some really neat opportunities for us to reflect on our own personal stories of where mm. has God been and, and how can we see Him in, our, in His hand in our lives. Mm. And the book of Acts continues to push us down that path, mm -hmm. looking at the faithfulness of God, His character, His sovereignty, and how can we learn more about Him through studying these stories. And let's not forget what it means to us. That's that's why I wanted to end with Psalm 23, 4 mm. and the, the reality of the valley of the shadow of death. Is it scary? Yeah, you betcha. But what does it take for a shadow to exist in the first place? A much bigger light. And if we can live in light of that fact, that that's how you take the phrase live live a life in remembrance of him uh, practically and how you understand, okay, I, sometimes the only defeat a Christian experiences is the one they've convince themselves of because mm -hmm. there's no such thing as a defeated christian yeah i love it we covered a lot guys yeah. well done i mm. mean it's it, it's it's a and that's just 12 verses it's just about a, a kid falling out a window you, you don't think <laughs> that you're going to get all this content but yeah. thanks caleb for, yeah. for praying you, through this thinking through this um Oh, when are you next in the pulpit? I won't be back up till November. Mm -hmm. I'll have a couple Sundays in a row, but because of the youth season starting up mm -hmm. here, it's going to be a busy season for us. We're very excited and ready for that. So I'm always kind of in talks with with Mark and the elders about making sure the schedules align and yeah. all that good stuff. Yeah. So. Uh, and, and so just looking to this next season of our life here at church, you know, it's already August. Oh yeah. The schools, back to school. Teachers are, about, are back. Teachers are going back. Mm -hmm. Things are happening, obviously, are all around us. Ministry never ends here at FBC, um, but we like to use these kind of seasons of our lives to start new cycles. So mm -hmm. um, youth is kicking off, like you said, student ministries, children's ministries, mm -hmm. a bunch of other things that are getting started up. So go to the website for all those details, fbcva.org. Um, and we still have open um, slots for you to register to come to that parent summit. So, yes, please. Caleb, give us your quick plug. Um, we're going to shut down registration on Monday of next week. Yep. So you have through this weekend. If you haven't registered yet, there is child care available. Mm -hmm. um, but the goal of this night is what? Yeah, the goal is really to partner with parents and the discipleship of their kids, but we want to do that by raising the value of biblical dependency in our parenting. And so you're going to get to hear from me, Brian, and John, that's pastor family life, and then uh, the directors of student and children's ministry. And so because of the, the nature of the school year and the ministry year, any any possible question you might have throughout the year uh, of FBC and what to expect uh, from kids in children's ministry, that, that will be answered at an event like this. You'll get to meet other parents as well. Uh, a lot of our volunteer body will be there as well, and so you'll get a chance to be equipped and encouraged. We have a lot of different resources, and you're just going to hear a little bit of our heart behind why we do what we do here and how we we dive into the weeds a little bit and the specifics of, okay, Lord, like what, what are we seeing on the front lines for teenagers? What What is Brian and his team seeing for children? And how can we not just have the phrase partner with parents and their discipleship be something we say, but actually demonstrate it's something we want to do. So this is the first year we're ever doing it, but look for it to become a, a regular part of church culture, and we're excited. So. Multifaceted reasons why you should come. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just grow in your understanding of who God is and how to parent, meet some other people, yep. get some resources. Child care provided, we'll yep. feed you, totally worth it. Friday night, 
August 18th, mm -hmm. five to eight dinners provided. Go register today. Um, and just also, just for what it's worth, we briefly gave a quick little save the date for the Global Church Week coming up. Hmm. Um, that is the, the second week of October. Technically, we're calling it the 7th through the 15th. So put it on your calendars. There's going to be way more details about that. There will be different um, opportunities for you to participate, opportunities for you to serve that we'll be asking. There are still some openings. If you want to host a family, go to the website for those details. That's the fbcva.org slash gcw23. See all the details about that. It's not too soon to, to learn more about Global Church Week coming mm -hmm. up as well. So Fall's an exciting time around here. It's, it's fun. It's exciting, you know. So, Abby, thank you. Hi, thank you. Caleb, thank you. You the man. Thanks for letting me sit in this middle seat once again. So, the fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless.